0: enfolding every race, nation, and language. Then you're considering Catholicism. Every Catholic is deeply concerned about how many of our teenagers are walking away from the church. Or if they're not, they should be. And everyone thinks that we should do something about it. But not many have practical suggestions for what to do to keep them or bring them back. Well, I want you to meet a high school senior who joined the Catholic Church on his own initiative. He discovered Catholicism, he considered it, he chose it, and then he converted by going through RCIA, the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. And then, during the Easter Vigil Mass in 2022, he entered the Church and received the Eucharist for the first time. Now, that is definitely not the arc for a typical American teenager, but I'll let you decide whether he's typical or not. Devin Jenkins is 18 years old, and he recently entered the church at Holy Family Parish in Caledonia, Michigan. I met Devin when I spoke at the parish and to his RCIA class, and I knew right away that he was a young man that I needed to introduce to all of you. We had a great conversation about his story and what is missing in our approach to young people in the church today. I think that you're going to find him as interesting as I did and realize that we need to take what he has to say very seriously in our churches and homes. Now, Devin is so bright and so articulate that he doesn't need much more introduction. So I'm going to let him tell you all about himself and why he considered and then converted to Catholicism. So, Devin, I'm um, so glad that you could join us.
1: Yeah, thank you. This is awesome.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well, Devin, would you just share a little bit about who you are? Tell, tell our audience about yourself a little bit. Are you, uh, would you consider yourself to be a, a typical American teenager, a
1: typical high school senior? I, um, I, I mean, in some senses, yeah, and in some senses, no. I, I don't really... I guess everybody's weird and different in their own way. Right, sure. I am identify with that, but like, I'm just, you know, I'm just doing high school. I'm going to go into trades after this. Uh, I, you know, I don't really have any super exotic, you know, plans or hobbies or anything. You know, I, I like woodworking. Oh, yeah? I got, you know, plenty of like drawing and drafting. I enjoy doing. It's nothing, nothing super exciting. Nothing, you know, out of the ordinary, but,
0: well, those, um, those are, those are actually pretty cool things, man. It's, it's things like that that make the world go round. And, um, we need more people that can fix things and build things and draw things.
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that, that, uh, that's nice. Cause that's good to hear. Um, and, uh, I, I, I mean, I spend a lot of time at church. I, I, sometimes I call like, you know, attending Holy family, uh, or, or just like, Going to all of the services and, and and doing things there with all the things I'm involved in, sometimes I call it a hobby and it really is a hobby for mm-hmm. me uh, but you know it, it takes up a lot of my time because I commit a lot of myself to it and I love putting you know my time into it and so it, it's kind of a hobby for me in a sense that you know I really enjoy it and I put a lot of my time towards it and
0: well, that does not sound like a typical American teenager. That to consider, uh, you know, church uh, something that you know you say hobby, but you know, a, a sort of you know, a, sounds like almost a passion or a, a sense of you know vocation, something you really enjoy. When you look at yourself in terms of whether you're typical or not, not typical, and sure, nobody's really typical, right? There's no such thing as an average person. Everybody's unique, but. But what you what do you think um, your relationship sort of with Christianity and the faith? I mean, did you grow up inside the faith? Did you grow up considering yourself to be a Christian? Or
1: yeah, so I was uh, I was basically born and baptized into uh, a Lutheran church. Um, My family was confirmed Lutheran at the time. Uh, You know, really involved in the church, very. very into the faith. And, uh, we were there for a long time and I can't remember, I was too young to really be like, to remember any of this or to be conscious of it because I was a baby, but we left for some reason and went to a couple different like non-denominational, uh, Protestant churches and stuff like that. Um, and my family had, had kind of reached a point where we didn't really know like we're homeless. We were just kind of church hopping almost like every 3 years was probably how long we'd stay someplace and then we'd move to another church. Um which was like weird and made it hard to have like friends at church because you couldn't sustain like a relationship and and that was difficult for me because I was like a kid and I just wanted to have friends and stuff. But you know you have school and everything. So that wasn't horrible. Um and you know as as time went on um we I started to see like kind of the cracks um in in being a christian, and mm. I was young i still i I had the idea that I was Christian, like you know my parents said we're Christian, so I believed that I was christian and and my parents lived the faith out um but I really could see some of the people who claimed to live the faith and some people who you know even had uh, like jobs you know that they were paid to live the faith to right. preach and and i started to see the cracks in some of those people's actions and how they would claim to be these you know these faithful christians and things just didn't line up you know they wouldn't act in a way that a faithful christian really ever should hmm. um and and like i saw a lot of scandal when i was younger in yeah. some of the that i went to which really strongly like devalidated the, the idea of, of being able to be like, cause right now I have this very strong mindset that like, I want to be sinless if I can like if I can reach that while I'm on planet earth, like catch I'm happy. Right. Um, but at that point in time, like I thought that was unattainable because I saw these people who like their literal jobs were to maintain and grow the church and they failed themselves, their God, and the church that they're being not only not only that they have you know discerned and and decided that they're vocationally you know attached to, but I mean they have a people to to lead and take care of, and they they failed on all those fronts when they when they did you know these horrendous things that you know scandalized their church and it 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 scared me because you know I identified as Christian and I saw myself as christian and all of a sudden, you know it's going through you know the school rumors, and I go home and ask, "Mom, did this thing happen to pastor so and so?" and yeah, sure enough, pastor so- and so' this thing, and it's like, well, now I look like the bad guy, or at least I was afraid I felt like the bad guy because you know I was young, mm-hmm. and that was my church, and I identified with that church and it it kind of it made me feel like you know I, I've heard it said by a lot of people that it just made me feel like trust had been broken, you know? Mm -hmm. Um which put me in a really bad place. Um and that time went on and we kinda moved from church to church, my, you know, growing of age, I kind of developed into the mindset that I was an intellectual. And I read like a lot of philosophical, um, like book books on ethics and moral theology and, you know, psychology and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. I got wrapped up life of like pride in my, in my own, my own head. And I thought like I was this. genius, And so, you know, it's, it's easy to, to, you know, get, get ahead in thinking that you're a genius when your parents tell you that, you know, Christ is the the savior of, of you and your soul. And you go explain the dinosaurs and they can't, and you feel great about yourself because that's the first time you've ever actually like made an accomplishment that's like straight up conquered an adult because they can't how do they answer they live by this god and you know you you ask your parents or you ask you know pastor you ask the youth minister of your church you just go you know will explain to me definitively how you know dinosaurs you know worked or you ask them some theological question they just can't answer and and it's an easy it's an easy route to make yourself feel very like strongly about about like yourself and 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 feel that pride of your own intellect right and i attached myself to that and so i would spend time learning and learning these things that you know these arguments against christianity these arguments against religion um and i got to the right. point where i i just i i fully thought with my whole being that religion was like it was just for people who either one, couldn't think for themselves, or two, just didn't think. And I know how horrible that sounds. And to everyone who hears me say that, I have so much love for all of those who I, I thought that of. And and I'm sorry that I was ever like that. And I, I I'm glad that I have changed and grown from that position. But I really began to hate the faith because it confused me why people would put themselves towards... You know the fight against sin. It was so much. It 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 looked so difficult to me. It looked so hard, and I just couldn't conceptualize it. And it made me angry. Sure,
0: Devin. I'm gonna. You know, as I listened to you, and I spent like I don't know, 14 years or something, 15 years working in college campus ministries. So I I've list I've I've in my life listened to a lot of 18, 19, 20 year olds. You know, share their thoughts. And as I listen to you, I, I hear the kinds of things I've heard a lot of young people say, you know. Um, but here's the question that I guess I, I want to ask you to, to reflect on. And, and it's interesting the way that you framed it, because it's like so many young people that I met in campus ministry. When you told the story, you started by talking about becoming disillusioned with the church because of hypocrisy and the failings of church leaders, right? Yes. And you started with disillusionment. That was the first thing you talked about. And then you moved on to disillusionment with the church and church leaders to, to disillusionment with the intellectual or philosophical or theological uh, positions of the church, and and I wonder—I don't know if you know the answer to this yourself—but to re- want to hear you reflect a little bit. Did what was the ca- the the causality here? In other words, because you became disillusioned with church leaders, did you then write off, or did that lead you to sort of c- critique or attack the intellectual basis of the church? Or is it the other way around, where you know we one becomes sort of sees the theological or philosophical failings of the church, which which then leads you, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Do you do you start off by becoming disillusioned with the people in the organization, which then leads you to critique the theology, or is it the other way around? Because it sounds like you started off by becoming disillusioned with the leadership and the church, and that almost like led you to look for the cracks or the weaknesses in the theology.
1: That, yeah, that's kind of true. Um, I, I, I will say I, I did stand really, truly like I stood with my parents and I stood with this very hollowed out extremely thin and fake and very unreal idea that I was Christian. Like it, it was like so much of an identity to me. It was like one of the things I'd have like printed on my ID, but it meant nothing. Like I had no action to it. And I was still a young kid. Um, and, you know, all of, all of these, you know, scandals or these, these like things that just didn't make sense or, you know, hopping from church to church because one church's music was better. You know, all these things that like just confused me um really you know they they did they did confuse me but i genuinely believe um that i i stayed with my parents in that sense um and i and i stood with them and you might be right in the sense that that might have led me to begin you know questioning things but it was really when i started questioning theology um you know asking the questions that people just couldn't answer for me right that i started to really grow in in that disliking and that hatred of the church. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I I would say it was probably because of the, the lack, because I mean, I think if I was surrounded by people who wholeheartedly acted and, and spoke and, you know, lived and breathed the gospel and in church Mm -hmm. teaching like that, I don't think I'd ever stopped to have questioned anything. Right. Uh, and well, i would-
0: right i mean you know that's that's why we they call it the faith right i mean at some point christianity is based on uh, a trust in the credibility of its sources so we believe uh, what Je- jesus said and did we believe the gospel because the apostles told us that he said and did those things and we believe um the scriptures because the apostles and others um gave them to us. I mean to, there is a sort of sequence of trust and credibility um that you that, that Christianity is based on, right? Um and so when the church loses that trust uh, or credibility with people, then the testimony of the gospel begins to be in doubt. Um And and you know, it's interesting for you to share that because it's not like, and you're a smart guy. I can already tell what a smart guy you are. You know, it's not like there aren't. You it's not like you can't go online and in about two minutes find um, Christian scholars who could answer your questions. It's not like those questions don't have answers. If you ask Pastor Bob or your or your aunt, you know, Betty. They might not have those answers, but you can go online and find them in about five minutes from credible intellectual, you know, Christian or Catholic scholars. So, so I, I just wonder. I don't know what the right answer is. I mean, you know, only you know. But what I saw so much is that that people lose their trust in the credibility of church leaders, or trust in the credibility of christians or church members and that that leads one to begin to doubt the
1: testimony
0: of the church so i don't know you know it's interesting you know what comes first the chicken or the egg on that deal
1: yeah yeah that's it's definitely i think it's hard and i i I think you're probably right when that credibility is gone I don't know if it's the main factor as to why we're in the place we're in now mm. um, with with the difficulty. Um I would I would push back on that a little bit, but and I don't think you're stating that. Um but I do I I hundred percent agree. If if I mean the media at some times can kind of make the Catholic Church kind of look like the butt of the joke right. on a case. And my whole life, like I was raised around not understanding the Catholic Church at all. Like I mm. was told, no, Catholics worship Mary. You guys know the list. Like you know right. the list. Oh yeah. Uh, and and that like taking away from all of everything. When I came into the Catholic Church, it was a fight, man, because I had to put myself like like through boot camp. Mm. I had to read. So many theologically backed books, just to begin to trust even slightly. Yeah. Church. I mean, I walked into the church and looked at the priest, and I, I, you all know what I thought, you know. Yeah. And 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 I, I can't believe I thought that. Now I love our priests. I. Yeah. I mean,
0: well, I know. I I literally actually do know what you're saying because I. Uh, I, I was raised outside Christianity and became a Christian when I was 20, 21 years old in a campus ministry. And then I, um, went and got a, um, a seminary degree at a Calvinist seminary and spent, you know, close to 20 years, um, working, um, as a Protestant pastor and writer and, and, and teacher and missionary. And to come to the Catholic church, I had to overcome, you know, you know, almost a lifetime of programming. And, and had to, you know, answer all the objections. So I know what you're talking about. You have to sort of like, well, wait a minute. You know, if you were raised a Calvinist or a Lutheran or something, it's like, wait a minute. They, they worship Mary or they worship statues of Mary or whatever. And you have to sort of, you know, check all those things off. But I, Devin, this is such an interesting thing to me. I, I just really want to come back to this one point. And I don't know, I mean, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth because I'm here to listen to you. But it's interesting what I would say, what I found, especially with young people, when I say young people, I mean like college students or whatnot, was that those who grew up inside the church, their biggest problem was Um, hypocrisy the things they saw in the church that disillusioned them and then that led them to question that theology those who grew up outside the church it was the intellectual uh battle because they had never really encountered the church you know to begin with they hadn't grown up in it but when you grow up in it you know i i just you know it's interesting i i think that you know The church can be an abstraction. The the church that you know or that you see is the people that you actually know and see, right? I mean, you can talk about the church in general, but you actually know your parents or your pastor or the people sitting next to you in the pew or your youth pastor. Those are the people that you actually know. They represent the church to you. And so those people's shortcomings or foibles or failings or whatever, in a sense, come to represent the totality of the church because it's your point of contact, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I also, like, for me, um, kind of having almost both perspectives that, like you talked about, you know, uh, coming from having the intellectual battle, but also coming from, like, a point of Christianity with the disillusion. Yeah. And And, you know, having a little bit of both of those things. Um, One thing that kind of like shook my universe Mm -hmm. was I do Bible study with um, a friend. I think it was, uh, it doesn't matter how long ago it was, but it was my first time at Bible study um, with the amazing group that is the youth group uh, at Holy Family. And not not only did they, one, rock my intellectual world, (laughs) but also took the disillusion and threw it out the window because I walked in there and every single one of these kids was devout mm-hmm. um serious the youth group room wasn't a a party mm-hmm. okay it was like let's you know let's have a party for the kids so that they'll come it was like we're going to sit down and we're going to have bible study it was awesome so awesome. every chill and it was cool and everybody was so mature and we had like theological talk and 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 their seriousness about the faith, and I mean, people younger than me in there were like, were just knocking me off my podium every time I had some kind of, you know, question that I thought would stump them. Just boom, boom, boom. They they knock them. They knock them down. And man, if I'm it was just their absolute seriousness about the faith their their genuine attachment their you know they're not they weren't lukewarm about it they weren't messing around they were serious they were there to learn to grow and when and all the homies who know me who hear this you know who you are um, they were genuine and they knew their stuff and i i spent the last you know what 5 years of my life Kind of living off the fat of of you know nobody could touch me because I I'd bring up some biblical obscure issue that Christians you know know is a problem but don't learn how to you know handle or or speak about and I'd I'd throw that in front of them and they couldn't do anything and then I'd win and as as sad and as disappointed in myself I am to say this now it was amazing it felt awesome it was such a
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it did. I mean, like, you know, um, right. So, so poking fun at, I mean, poking fun, but you know, poking at people and sort of winning arguments is a high and you know, Devin, it's, it's interesting. I want to say something to our listeners who are, who are, if you're listening to Devin talk, I, I, Devin, I'd say to you and to them that Often the way the church approaches ministry to young people is exactly upside down and backwards because the premise is that if you um, make it lighthearted and not too serious, that'll draw young people in. Young people are looking for something to believe in and to be inspired by and something to take seriously um, and something to, to give their lives to. Look at all the causes that young people go out and enlist in. Or believe in and the church is the greatest cause of all and if we don't take it seriously and we don't present it seriously it that doesn't attract young people it pushes them away and so for you those of you who are listening to devon talk the biggest thing you can do to reach young people is to inspire them by showing them that it matters
1: I 100% agree with that. And I actually was hoping to be able to talk about that tonight because well, I, I love that. So I'm a big believer in like, because, okay, the Bible for me, um, one of the things that helped me like logisticize it as I was coming to the church was that we are very, very lucky and blessed that there is something that is substantially larger and smarter than us that gave us a list of rules that keep us healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there are, and I only only as I started to work my way away from a whole mass of sin did I realize the the like the real life, you know, bodily health, mental health benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not I'm not Catholic because of the benefits. I'm Catholic because the benefits drew me in, and now I'm stuck right. here because I. Um, but like, I, it took me a while to realize that the cross, like bearing the cross, was one of those things when like we have the initiative to pick up our cross like walk with it go you know stand with Christ in in the fight of handling whatever you're going through you know push through be the strongest person that you can be and i think like for me it was huge huge when i came into the church and i started to realize like there were opportunities for responsibility mm-hmm. and i had oh man i had spent the last Probably ten years of my life um, playing video games, and then getting mm-hmm. rationally angry when I had to do anything that took like ten to twenty minutes away from me, just doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And I saw these opportunities for genuine, genuine opportunities to make a difference in someone's life or to make a difference in my own life, and I I took one, and it was like you know just just a nib, and it was responsibility and. And I like I you know I picked up like the smallest cross on the wall and I put it on my shoulder and I was like yes that's not bad and and I gained more and I took more responsibility on took more responsibility on started to change myself grow myself and carrying that cross has benefited my person so much mm-hmm. um, and it's brought me so much closer to to God and and it's it's one of those things you have to put like. You have to put people in, in the understanding that like, if you take this cross, your life will, will grow. And they might not understand that. And you might not ever say that to them because that might not be the way to confront it. But there is something innately inside of personally me and people that I know who I've talked to about this who, who know that when you take the seriousness, when you take the thing you're supposed to believe in, when you, know, when you turn the TV off and the games are done. You know, when, when you're not messing around anymore, things get real and, and you attach yourself to that. Devin, our culture <laughs> our our
0: culture has let you and young people down because we've condescended to you and we had incredibly low expectations. So yeah. you talk about young men who play video games until they're thirty, um, and and never um do anything serious with their lives. When you go back, you know Michelangelo carved. Uh, you know he he carved. I think the 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 David when he was twenty years old. Um. <laughs> nice. uh, when you know, uh, <laughs> um, Saint Teresa of Lisieux entered the convent when she was nineteen and died when she was twenty-four uh, of tuberculosis and became a doctor of the church. Um, you know, go to Normandy, France and see the, the, uh, the D-Day beaches where, where young men your age, you know, stormed the beach on D-Day. Um, and what we've done is we've condescended and patronized all of you and created an extended adolescence that you're allowed to sort of live without any responsibility or expectation, even in the church. And you're capable of so much more. And I, I really believe that young, and I listen to you, young people will rise to the challenges that you give them. And if you give them no challenges, you don't know, call them to something bigger and better and more inspiring. And, and the church is, you know, that's what I hear you saying is that you were waiting for somebody to tell you to give your life to something great and to do something, you know, meaningful with your life. And when given that opportunity,
1: you, you ran with it yeah and it's it's like 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 you said if you look at like for example you know i i don't know how you exactly pronounce his name michelangelo but i Mm -hmm. I think it's um anyways he you know you like you said when when he was 29 you know that is a that is a feat like that is not something you expect a 29 year old to do today
0: um Oh, I think he is. I think he carved the the Pietà when he was like nineteen, and he carved the David when he was twenty, twenty-one. Not much older than you. Yeah, and exactly. That's, and that's my point is that we're you're capable of. We're all capable of so much more. In a lot of ways, what we've done in the church was we've dumbed everything down, and we've had low expectations, and we've dumbed everything down, and and you know you you get you get what. You know, you set the standards and you set the bars low and you dumb everything down. And then you're surprised when when, you know, we have an unserious church and unserious young people and, um, and everything is dumbed down. But if you call them to do something great, that's what I found in campus ministry all those years. I mean, I had somebody reached out to me when I was 20 and presented Christianity to me. And and started handing me theology books and telling me to lead a a Bible study in an international students' dorm on, on the university campus I went to. And I was like, I'm 20 years old. I don't know what I'm doing, but you step (laughs) up, you step up and, and, and you, you know, we, we need to be giving young people like you real challenges and real responsibility and giving you an opportunity to, to, as you say, pick up the cross and, 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 you know, um, step forward and, and do something meaningful with your lives. And it sounds like you're doing that. Yeah. So 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 okay. Help me understand. So you you and your family are kind of um, wandering around from the Lutheran Church to the to the some Evangelical churches and whatnot. How do you end up in the Catholic Church and what drew you to Catholicism?
1: So I'm gonna give a little bit more backdrop, but I'll do it quick. Um, Basically, we we you know we fought with finding a church, finding a church. I fell from the faith. I was done. Like I wasn't doing it anymore. I quit. I saw all the problems, you know, all that stuff, all that jazz, and I was done. I, you know, I, I didn't really want to go to church on the weekends anymore. It was a fight to get me to go if we even were going to go because I was not going to have it. I would be sick or something would be wrong. Of course, I would be sick, you know, um, and uh, it was it was not going well. Um, and it was my junior year in high school. Um, and this was probably the most normal year of my life. Uh, I was just like a, just doing nothing. I was going home playing video games and going to school. And I was really normal for about a year. It was awesome. Um, and, And I was kind of, I guess I shouldn't say normal, but I was mature in some senses. I was finally not like, Doing stupid things and, and and you know, I was finally kind of slightly mature, and it was kind of nice. I was taking myself seriously. My grades were good. I didn't have to worry constantly about failing a class. I was I was doing really doing really well for myself. Um, and I was in a uh, digital art class with a young woman who sat two seats down from my right during the digital art class, and she one day. Didn't know anybody in the class. So she came to me and she said, Hey, can I sit with you? And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever. I'm down. And so through a longer story, um, you know, eventually through a timeline of, th- of events that we don't need to get into, we were in the car together, um, on a digital art project. And she asked me if I was Catholic. Now, in order to get my mom, to stop worrying about me and get off my back because she wanted to make sure my, you know, I was safe and my, my spirit, and my soul were safe. She wanted me to continue to pursue Christianity. So I told her that I was going to be Catholic because I knew she didn't understand enough about that to actually question me on anything that I said, um, which is moderately intelligent uh, if it weren't so conniving. Um, so, I I basically, I told her that I was Catholic and I started to identify with Catholicism. Not in a real sense, like my original Christianity when I was younger. I just like, and I didn't tell anybody I was Catholic, just like my mom. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll I'll check out an online mass because I was like, what could it do? You know, I I see all these really cool, you know, like, I imagine you've probably seen like Deus Wult, God Wills It. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and the the Jerusalem cross and I was reading about crusaders and I was like those you know those are cool so whatever I'll, I'll give it a shot um and it never did I put it off I put it off I was like yeah do I really want to get back into this Christianity thing that I really really hate and this girl was like are you Catholic or, or she's like are you religious and, and I was like yeah I'm Catholic and she's like oh you're Catholic and she's like so like you're confirmed and I was like no and she's like uh so have you had like first reconciliation I'm like no and she's like have you been to mass? And I'm like, (laughs) no, but I'm Catholic, Um, which was just immensely the most confusing thing I've ever done. Um, and so she realized at that point in time, I was not Catholic. Um, so a couple days later, we're sitting in a chair and this is kind of one of my miracle moments in my life. And I'm so thankful for it. Um, this girl sitting next to me and she in a class three minutes before the bell rings and she goes, Hey, do you want to go to, Mass with me this weekend, and I had only just learned what mass meant. Right. Uh, I had no idea what word was you know four days ago, right. and so she goes, "Do you want to go to mass with me?" And immediately my heart filled with dread. The irresponsible um, child, you know, who doesn't want to do anything, who doesn't want to take himself seriously was like, no, 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 no. Get me out of here. I don't want this. I don't, I don't like this. I, get me away from this. Get me away from this. And I went to say no, and I said yes. And to this day, I know, I know. It sounds like, you know, I'm coming from a very atheist side of the world. It's hard for me to say that because that was totally against anything that I would have expected to happen. Um, but I said, yes. And I was like, why did I say yes? Why did I say yes? Why did I do this? And I didn't have the heart to back out because she was so excited. So Sunday comes around, I get in one of my dad's old suits that doesn't fit me, uh, which I didn't realize I did not need to do to go to math. (laughs) And I mean, this thing was, you know, my dad grown up adult, he's, you know, he's got his suit on and I put this thing on and dwarfed me man it was (laughs) i mean it wasn't that bad but it was a big suit you could tell it did not fit me it was not mine um and i go to pick her up and i pick her up and and i'm like i'm mad dude i am angry i do not want to be here i want this to be done and over with i can't believe i have to sit through another hour like i did when i was a kid i'm gonna be fidgeting in my chair and i sat down in the mask and i was mesmerized yep i i mean of course i was still like making jokes and like when when father was, was, you know, drinking the blood, I went, <sighs> um, <the next laughs> her and, and she like gave me a nasty look and I was like, "Oh, ah, okay. Okay. Um, and, and rightfully so. Um, but you know, I, I was still very, very interested. It really kind of captivated me yeah. and I hadn't, it wasn't taking my faith seriously. It was tangible Devon. Devin. It It was. was, it was, see, this
0: is the thing about the mass. And I can say this as a, you know, as a former Protestant and everything else. And, you know, who, who also went on a road to Rome and, and, and entered the church. I mean, so much of Protestantism and so much of evangelicalism is conceptual. It's all about ideas. It's all about concepts. It's all about internal Feelings—it's all about you know meeting Jesus in the inner places of your heart, or or um, accepting concepts about God or ideas about Jesus. And the thing about Catholicism is that it is a tangible, incarnational faith. I mean, it's about things. It's about God working through things, through bread and wine and. Um, masses and chants and sacraments and you know the, the sacraments are 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 when God punches a hole in sp- the fabric of space time and allows the light of eternity to come through and touch us and all of a sudden it's it's these tangible things and I mean it's like I, I love your it's mesmerizing if you've if you've been in sort of the desert of the, the conceptualism that is so much of protestantism
1: that yeah yeah that was that was a huge part of it is i could see things happening like i could genuinely see something is going on it wasn't just like we came you know he recited a self-help book to us and then we went home it was different
0: yeah so rca was a good experience for you what was it like to you know have that moment of entering the church at easter vigil
1: it was, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. And, and entering the church, it took a lot of like, forming for me. It took a lot of figuring things out and reading a lot of Eucharistic miracle books and, and, and things like that for me to kind of begin to actually you know, understand the Eucharist as I should and, and to, to, to believe in the true presence because of how seriously important that is and how much it's benefited my life. Um, and it took me a long time to get to that point. And when I came to the Easter Vigil for the first time, one, it was a beautiful mass. I mean, knock dead, gorgeous, awesome, super cool. Um, but in addition to that, reception of the Holy Eucharist was awesome. Um, we got to receive the, the blood, the, the catechumen and the candidates got to receive the blood as well as the host um which was which was a was, was an amazing experience that yeah. I'm very to have but it was really eye opening um to see a mass that was different from normal I love the original mass and I love this mass because of its slight differences that really it, it almost almost watching this mass opened my eyes to details of the normal everyday or Sunday, you know, obligation mass, um, you know, like your, 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 your vigils and stuff like that. It really opened my eyes to see like some of the deeper deeper detail because of like how beautiful and, and, and detailed it was. I, I, I don't have, I can't fill the words because oh, of how yeah. amazing, Yeah. but reception of the Eucharist was awesome. And it, it's not one of those things that like I expected to have like an explosion, you know, because it's not how the Eucharist works. The Eucharist isn't black magic. It isn't a Marvel movie. Um, but it was so amazing to receive and like to just know that he's there, that like I've finally reached communion with him. Like I've gone on this journey. You know, I went through Lent. I went through Advent. I fought through those times. I fought through the times when like I really, really was just yearning to receive communion and, and fought through the temptation to, you know, try and see if I could talk to, you know, church officials and see if I could receive communion early and, and all of these things and to see if I could, you know, possibly get outside of the group, you know? And I would have hated to have done that because one, I'm not ready. And two, I don't even know if it would have worked because I doubt it, but I'm so happy that when I finally reached the visit, vigil, I was, I felt like I was as ready as I could be for that time. I don't know if you'll ever be ready for the Eucharist, right? Um, but it was such an amazing experience. And man, I,
0: yeah, what a great testimony, man, Devin, that's just fantastic. And to hear kind of the arc of your story from the way you shared it, kind of beginning with disillusionment to then, you know, sort of critiquing the theology and searching for somebody to give you answers. And then, you know, this young woman who invites you to mass and being drawn in by the tangibleness of that, going deeper and then to, to kind of have this all sort of come to a climax with the reception of, you know, the, you know, the, the Eucharist, um, you know, Easter Vigil. What a, what an amazing story you've had. Which, Thank you. Which, which brings me to kind of the question I want to ask you, which is, you know, I hear every day from uh, people in the church, "We should do something to reach young people." We should, The church should do something to reach young people. And I always say, "Well, what is it that you think we should be doing?" And I want to ask you, "What is it, uh, you as a as a teenager, an eighteen year old, you know, high school senior entering the Catholic Church? What what is it that we should be doing to reach more people like yourself?"
1: Well. Um, you hear a lot of people say like, well, what's, what's wrong with today? Today's, you know, the problem with today is nobody wants to, uh, do the hard thing. You know, everybody wants to take the easy route. Um, and I'm, I'm not here to toot that horn. Um, but I've realized in life taking the easy route for me and for a lot of people that I talk to and I know, and, and who have, I've discussed this with and who share my beliefs and some who don't. Agree that when you don't embrace the difficulty of life, when you don't stand and face it, when you run away from the things that scare you, from the things that are hard, from the things that are difficult, when you avoid them, the problem, like almost in my eyes, like doubles itself. Whereas if you handle it on the spot, you know, you face the dragon, you face the thing that's hard, you face the thing that scares you life gets better and i think we have to help people see that because the current uh, of society right now is flowing towards you know and there's there's nothing wrong with a roomba but like a vacuum that vacuums your house and you don't even have to vacuum you know like it's 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 going towards the direction of everything being easier and it was only in my life that i saw the church's truth of, like, the truth gave me opportunity to pick up my cross. And in in picking up my cross, I found, like, solemnity and, and happiness and a sense of purpose that, like, I had never, ever seen before. And I really think that, and I don't know how the church would do this. There are people who can probably figure it out. But I really wish the church could open people's minds and hearts and eyes to that because, It's changed my life. And another thing is like answering questions that these people have, like theologically, I think we all need to be so much more prepared to answer the questions that we don't really know how to ask sometimes. And I it's also important to, to notice that some of these questions that, you know, people ask the ask Catholics, ask Christians, before they answer, they, we don't know how to answer them. And, yeah. and, and some of these questions, the church, you know, some of them, the church hasn't even like stated on fully um, or, or I, I guess yeah. I want to say put in the catechism of the Catholic Church, like what, how to respond or how to fully make sense of these things to these people who have questions. And some people aren't hostily asked, like aren't asking with hostility these questions, but some of them are genuinely searching for answers.
0: Right. So, Devin, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what I hear you saying are a couple of things. I hear you saying, number one, the church should take on hard things. Um, Catholics should take on hard things. We shouldn't shy away from hard issues and hard tasks. We shouldn't shy away from the hard questions. We should take them on, take on hard things, take on the hard questions, and call young people to do something great and meaningful with their lives. Yeah, I, I 100% stand with that. Yeah. Nan, Devin, thank you so much for, for your story. Thank you for mu- so much for your, you know, your testimony, who you are, your passion. Um, I know God is going to do great things with your life. Um, I know you're going to do great things with your life. And I'm um, really grateful that you, uh, you shared some time with us on the Considering Catholicism podcast.
1: I really appreciate that, Greg. And I think. I really think what you're doing here is is amazing. And this is like this is, you know, not just one s- small step for man, but like this is a jump. This is this is awesome. This is a first step in the like the right direction and I'm I'm so happy that you took it. I was so overjoyed when I heard that you were doing something like this, opening people's eyes to, you know, who's coming into the church and 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 what we need to do to evangelize and to change and to be better. This is so important, and you are definitely a role model to, to people like me and, and to my friends at, at Holy Family to see someone, you know, like I said, you, you picked up, you know, you saw a cross, you picked it up, you're carrying it. And I imagine you have plenty going on in your life right yeah. now. I met a lot of hard things going on in life, but you're still facing it. So thank you for that.
0: Well, thank you, Devin. and uh, And, you know, keep fighting the fight um, keep fighting for the faith, um, never stop, never quit. Uh, Paul said, run the race, uh, run till, run until you finish the race. So keep running the race, man. And really proud of you. And, um, and, uh, you know, keep, keep doing what I do and find the vocation that God's calling you, whatever that is. And, uh, and yeah, and share, and by the way, share the ministry with others and, uh, let's all see what we can do to build the kingdom. Hey, God bless you, Devin. Take care.
1: You too, Greg. Thank you. Okay. See ya.
0: One of the best ways to learn more about Catholicism, its beliefs and practices, saints and stories, heritage and culture, is to visit the places where the Catholic story actually unfolded with someone who can explain it, answer your questions, and help you apply it to your life. Especially as a part of a group of pilgrims that are sharing and supporting and praying for each other as they discover together. That's why the ministry that produces this podcast One Whirling Adventure offers pilgrimage trips. I'll be your guide and teacher, unpacking Catholic faith, life, and heritage for you in some of Catholicism's most significant sites. If you'd like to join me for a pilgrimage to places like Italy, Ireland, Israel, or France, visit the website onewhirlingadventure.org to see the dates and details of upcoming trips. That's OneWhirlingAdventure.org and click on the Travel tab at the top. Let's discover our Catholic faith and heritage together. Thank you for listening. Considering Catholicism is produced by One Whirling Adventure, a 501c3 nonprofit organization with a simple mission— to excite and educate people about historic Catholic Christianity and to equip them to live, share, and defend it in the 21st century. We depend completely on your generous donations. Learn more and consider supporting our ministry by visiting
1: onewhirlingadventure.org.